0: Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Good to see you. My voice is cooked because I was screaming and yelling during worship. Um, But yeah, felt throughout uh, all of worship. Just this morning, um, I just left the house this morning and said, I don't even know what I'm going to share. I didn't say it like that, that rudely um, and without hope. But I just, there's just... Like all of us, there's so much going on—good, good, good—and good challenge. Um, but just navigating, like what, what, what to share, um, and probably getting caught up too much. And I told Moy, because I, I went into the office and I just put on—if um, you haven't—Stephanie Gretzinger' new album. Um, two songs released, "Holy" and "The Narrow Way." Just intense, beautiful song. So I just put that on, and was just weeping um, in my office. Um, yeah it's and i just said to Moy, um there's no pressure and not that she had conveyed that she was feeling it but i just went up to her to encourage her that it's easy to get in our own head um and but just felt an ease come isn't that amazing yeah. that there's an, that an ease that comes when we realign Because we're always one. We've got access all the time. We're always qualified. Everything's tick, 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 tick in the kingdom and with the Lord. Everything. Peter says that, um, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. Um, Peter said that by his divine power, it's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been made, yes, all the promises. The kingdom is a green light it's all there yeah. but there's, a, there's there's challenging moments often with the the current circumstances and the way that we feel and what we entertain often becomes bigger in our head kingdom or not yeah. so make sense So often when we're overwhelmed and and life and the distractions of life in the parable of the seed and those things that want to choke truth and promise and prophecy and and who he says that you are, because there is a big fat list about who you are and how he sees you, when the things of the world and lies and stuff get too big then often we can come under that instead of our true identity and who we really are it's not a it's not a um a back and forth positionally it's more a back and forth um mentally and our thought life that causes us sometimes a bit of chaos We're positionally always righteous and always saved and always qualified and always chosen and always graced and always full of faith. Yes, you're always full of faith. You've been given a measure of faith. And what did Jesus say? How much gets a bit of an amazing thing done, a mustard seed? So you are graced, you are redeemed, you are anointed, you are favoured, you are all of those things and we grow in all of those things. So all of those things aren't case closed, but you do have them and you've got access to them because of how he sees you and what Jesus did. But often when we allow ourselves to be dictated by negativity and passivity and apathy and, and all of these things that are, are according to the pattern of this world, we can easily come under. And it's not always, well, if we choose to always, it will be, but often it's temporary. And that causes a yo-yo life. And we don't want to live in a yo-yo life where it's good one week, bad the other, depending on circumstance. So the, the, the great challenge is to keep in step with the Spirit and, and fight hard to keep current connection with the Lord, which is fellowship, participation, connection, um, appropriating our oneness, appropriating our oneness, putting legs, putting action to our oneness. And that's just been a challenge recently um, just with a whole bunch of stuff that were, that I'm walking out, that I'm believing for, that I'm growing in, um, and today was one of those days where I wasn't, I'm was just not sure. I mean, we're not done yet, are we? Um, so it's not like after the surf, so I said, "Oh, that was good." Um, I haven't even started. But but I was, I began reading and uh, and and what the team was leading. What Virginia was saying and what Jess Jesh was saying, um, just really good. Um, so that'll all tie in brilliantly. And I want to read Colossians 3, uh, verse 1. Therefore, I, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. The fact that Paul's saying, fix your eyes on things above, keep your eyes up, means that we are susceptible to keep them down. He wouldn't say it if if there wasn't an option to not do it. So he's acknowledging the fact that there's so much going on and we can just get caught up and and tunnel vision and narrow-minded with all the stuff. And it matters, and it matters to him, but he's actually wanting to partner with us in that stuff and to see him rightly in the stuff. Because when we see him rightly in the stuff, then we actually get to hand over things to him. Kasha cares upon him because he cares for you. He wants to do it with you in all seasons. Is that okay? So we've been talking about presence all year. We've been talking about being seated at the table. Psalm 25.3, that that he prepares a table before me in the presence of our enemies, of my enemies. That that word enemies is is, is a rival. Anything that's going to set itself up against you personally, corporately. But we're talking about you. We're talking about me. He prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. So we've been talking about presence. We've been talking about presence. I just want to read a scripture. I'm going to snapshot of this one during worship. I felt this. Exodus 25, 8. So the Lord's setting up some things to meet with his people. And we spoke about at the start of the year around presence and the face of God and the presence of God and God wanting to dwell with us. It's always been his heart. So he wanted to build a tabernacle, a tent of meeting where he could meet with his people and he says this: "Have them construct a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell with them. Have them build this so that I can dwell with them. It's always been his heart to dwell with you. You've always been on his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see the manifestation of that fully with Jesus coming, and the Word became flesh and made his home among them. Emmanuel, God with us. the presence of God, the face of God. And he prepares. I love this as we launch into today, but I just want to recap a couple of things. Prepare. He prepares a table before me, talking about in the context of all the stuff that we're facing and trying to navigate in the context of continually looking up. He prepares a table. The word prepare there, the context here is not past or future. Meaning he, it's not he prepared and it's not he is preparing. Although he has and he will. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the context here of this Hebrew word prepare is it is a present tense word. It's a current word. It's now that he's going to prepare a table every time it's needed. Every time there's a battle, every time there's a rival, every time there's something against you or the promises of God, anything that sets itself up, he is preparing a table for you for that to rest and see and be in the presence of him directly in front of, which is that word before. The word before there is also the word panim, which is the word presence and the word face. So the context is that he's preparing a table always, ongoing, non-stop, every time you need help, every time you need him, every time you need a reminder. There is a table for you to take a seat at and remind yourself of who he is and who he says that you are. But the context is it's before him, meaning in the presence of him And not only in the presence of him, because the same word means presence and face, but it's directly opposite him. So So the preparing of the table before him is directly opposite him in his presence, looking at him. And we fast forward to Ephesians 2, because that's Old Testament scripture, but then we go into the New Testament and Paul says that we're now seated with Christ in heavenly places. So it's a non-stop ongoing table and seat that's always available and it's our current position. And the big problem is we just forget that. It's not like the seat gets pulled out and the table gets pulled out every time there's a hard time. It's we we just simply forget to sit. We just forget to pull a seat up at the table when we're going through it. Which is like, Paul's a freak. Hey, he's like a freak. My voice is cooked. But he's like, we exalt in tribulations. Oh, good on you, pal. Good on you, buddy. We exalt in tribulations, Romans 5. Why? Because it does something in me that the good times can't. It tests our character. It proves our character, which results in hope. And this hope does not disappoint. In James, it says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Smile. Not just certain trials, not just a trial, not just physical trial, emotional trial, mental trial, circumstantial trial. Um, something's happening in you or at you or around you or towards someone you love. Not just, don't just one of those things, like many trials. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because it tests our faith. It, it causes endurance so that we can be complete and lacking nothing. Perfect, complete and lacking nothing. He's not a liar. He's not a liar. So that's truth. And we know that it's the, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's not magic though. There's a process because the context of that John 8 there, 30 to 32, is that it would be an ongoing reality in your life, and that consistency of becoming who He says that you are sets you free. Does that make sense? It's the working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not an end game deal, not a losing salvation deal, it's a process of working out what's really happened to me and believing it. And the more we are consistent and are keeping in step and remember that we're seated with Him in heavenly places, the more we're being set free. I don't know about you, but you've got faith in areas that are amazing and then others that you're not. So it's not all finished and we've just got breakthrough in every area. It is a process. So it's a keeping in step and remembering our seat at the table, I don't know if any of that made sense, but hey, um, not not like questioning myself, but um, can't wait to hear it. Um, it's God's heart that is that God's heart has always been to dwell with His people, to know and to be known, to know and to be known, both ways. He wants to know you and he wants to be known. And we think that way is a bit easier than this way. I want to know, but I want to be known. Oh, actually, I don't. Because knowing him's good, but actually being known by him, which we know big picture he does, you know, Psalm 139 like all, this, all the details, the intricacies of how he sees us and how he's fashioned us and, and his ongoing thoughts concerning us outnumber the grains of sand. But there, there, there's something about being known by God. So he wants to be, he, he wants us, he wants to know, but he wants to be known. But his heart for us is that we would know, but we would also be known by him. And then there's an invitation also to, to see, but also to be seen. Yeah. To, be, to know and to be known, to see and to be seen. And there's, there's levels and layers to seeing. Deformity aside and, 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 and eye issues aside, there's levels and layers to seeing. Yeah. There's levels and layers to seeing. You can buy a concert ticket and it says restricted view. Why would you want that? I bought an Ed Sheeran ticket and it didn't say restricted view and the sound booth was in front of me. <laughs> I only paid 200 for a ticket. I was very disappointed because everything... I, 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 I was going to say everything needs to be perfect. Um, yeah, that was disappointing. I had a bit of a restricted view at Ed Sheeran. Phenomenal concert. But there's levels and layers to seeing. There's levels and layers to seeing. You can see a picture, but being there is different. You can know about God, but knowing him is different. Seeing him work in others is different to seeing him work in you. And he's inviting us to see him rightly. The word rightly is to mean uh, correctly. To see him correctly. You remember those old school hidden pictures? Still never seen a boat in the middle of that. (laughs) Remember those pictures that they're all fuzzy and you look at it and you you see like 17 people dancing on a boat? Like, mate, I just see some squiggles. (laughs) But there's seeing, but then there's seeing. And, and, And I see, this is what he's doing in Among Us, that he's all about the long game and... The journey to the long game. The long game's not a concrete, fixed thing that we've got a specific thing that needs to happen. We get we get confused and caught up in in it's got to look like this. Yeah. I would say the long game is just to co- consistently living out the normal Christian life. Yeah. And if we're all living out the normal Christian life, then the world's getting turned upside down for Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. and then the journey is beautiful of becoming. Where was I? Long game, long game? yeah. Now before that, concrete. concrete before that, <laughs> yep. No, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> you know, you know, you've got to help me. <laughs> I went on. I went on two tangents too long, and it was a brilliant point. I was talking about the painting that would have helped me, but we passed that. All right. So one John one one to four. Love ya. Come on. To know and to be known. To see and to be seen. There's levels and layers to seeing. There's levels and layers to seeing. 1 John 1, to 1-4. This is John. That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This... We proclaim concerning the word of life. Talking about Jesus. The life appeared and we have seen it. We've testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and Heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We have written this to make our joy complete. John, the, one of his last books is declaring that we've seen and that we've heard and we're testifying what we've seen and heard. We were with him on these three and a half years. We've been with him, we've heard, we've been among him. We're, we're, I'm declaring what I've seen physically we walked with Jesus, we heard the crowds, we saw the crowds, we, we, we witnessed and experienced the news spreading. It started out small when he called me and my brother on the boat and we saw it gain momentum. We saw people that were anti him come and secretly meet him in the middle of the night. We witnessed centurions that were against him confess, it, like in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four. the centurion guarding the cross said, surely this was the Son of God. We witnessed all of these things. We saw the earthquake split. I was there when he rebuked me when I wanted to set fire to the city because of unbelief. And he taught me the ways of the kingdom. I witnessed it all. I saw it all. Things of the heart. But I saw him physically walking on the earth for three and a half years. I saw him resurrected, walking on the earth for those days after the resurrection. We're testifying to this. And I write this to make your joy complete. You might not see it. He's writing to us. You might not have seen him physically. But we have, and we're testifying to it and encouraging you that you can still see him today. There's levels and layers to seeing. Are we okay? Let's go to John's last book, Revelation. Revelation 1, 10 to 18. All right. Here we go. Revelation 1, 10 to 18. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Great. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. That doesn't mean that the Lord's day, you can only be in the Spirit. (laughs) On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see... And send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12 I turned around to see the voice. I turned around to see the voice. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw. When I turned, I saw. Seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing Waters, verse 16. In his right hand he held out seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Verse 17, and closing it out. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand on me. I read that this he is bald. When I saw him like this, when I saw him like this, not like one John letter, physical walking around and miracles and the laying on of hands and the casting out of demons and the teaching on the side of the hill and the boat and and this all this amazing three and a half years. I saw him and we testify to you. I saw him in this realm. But now we're in this realm of seeing him differently of seeing him rightly. And he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. There is seeing, and then there is seeing. John had two very different experiences on earth And then in this encounter, in the spirit, being caught up, come up here so I can show you the things that are going to take place. There's an invitation for all of us to come up here, to look up. This is where we're at, church, seeking his face, seeing him rightly. When we see him rightly, we see ourselves rightly. When we see ourselves rightly, we see others rightly. And if we fight for this, if we build towards this, if we set our hearts on this, we have longevity. We have consistency. We have something sustainable. I'm not interested in a flash in the pan. Our hearts is to simply live out the normal Christian life and not labeling things. The normal Christian life where people are getting healed and set free every day of the week, that we don't need to bring people to church to get saved. They're getting saved everywhere we go. That's the long game. That's the goal. That's the heart. That's the vision of of the believers becoming believers. Amen. Seeing him rightly, rightly, correctly. Correctly means in a way that is true. Thanks, Jesus. I just want to read something from... Yeah, to know and to be known, to see and to be seen. There's levels and layers to seeing. And there's an invitation for us to not just see how we've always seen, but an upgrade into seeing him. Seeing him in different ways, seeing him rightly. John had a significant upgrade in seeing. That wasn't wrong, but he grew so much. He couldn't have seen the first part on day one. Does that make sense? So we're growing and we're becoming who he already says that we are. Okay, so Pentecost has come and Peter's, he's saying, this is that, guys. I know it's chaos. There's people looking like they're drunk. They are drunk, but not as you suppose. <laughs> they are drunk, but just not as you suppose. They're drunk in the spirit. <laughs> like, there's just absolute mayhem happening and people were concerned people were freaking out and coming and news spread and it was just insane but Peter got up and pastored it and explained a few things a little bit of history about the Lord and this is part of him preaching and teaching and pastoring this moment and I've just taken a little snapshot about David if that's okay Acts 2 25 to 28 this is what this is what Peter's saying for David says of him... So they're talking about the Lord. This is Jesus. Like, like This is what's happening right now. Acts 2, 25 to 28. For David says of him, I saw the Lord continually before me. Because this is... This, I mean, Peter didn't have to... He could have plucked out any, any, any psalm that David wrote. But he chose this one. For David says of him, of Jesus... I saw the Lord, this is David, I saw the Lord continually before me, presence, because he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue was overjoyed. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. And I was, I was just processing all of this about this morning. <laughs> yeah, this is all happening this morning. <clears throat> and, and I'm like, okay, to, to know and to be known, to see rightly, to see correctly a way that's true And John's encounter, I hadn't really noticed that before this morning. And I'm like, okay, he saw him physically for three years. And yes, there was spiritual elements of that. But then there was an upgrade in seeing him rightly in an encounter that was different to what he'd experienced those three and a half years. And then then I read this and I'm like, okay, so Peter's quoting David about David seeing God continually. Like, and we know that, like Psalm 27. Like, one thing I ask, one thing I see that I just... I just want to linger. I want to stay. I want to, I want to be in your temple forever, but I want to gaze upon your beauty. And that word gaze is to lock in and not change the subject. And we see that David is, is so unique in the whole Bible. I mean, I don't know if anyone made as catastrophic mistakes as David. Like, slept with his best mate's wife and then murdered him to cover it up. I mean, that's, that's, that's wild stuff. That's wild stuff. Yet, he was called and quoted, which was rep, not replicated, cho, uh, chosen and placed in the New Testament in Acts. David was a man after my own heart. And I'm not going to restore the tabernacle of Moses, which I ordained, and there's lists and verses of that i'm going to restore the one that there's no lists about and no ordination i'm going to restore david's tabernacle cuz he perceived my heart cuz he saw me continually and i'm just wondering with someone who can make the most one of the most catastrophic poor choices that a human can make, I'm wondering if it was the seeing rightly that allowed him to continue on responding because he actually not only saw the Lord rightly, he saw that God saw him rightly. And that's the game changer. God sees you rightly God sees us rightly. God sees you correctly. God saw David correctly, not according to the junk, but according to who he was. Knew his heart, repentance, forgiveness, um, connection, fellowship, all of that. Yes, 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 all of that. But the game changer is that it's not just us seeing God rightly, but it's seeing God rightly in the context, knowing that he sees me rightly. And he treats me according to what has been accomplished on the cross and what's been made available. It's significant. David saw God rightly. But it wasn't just that David saw God and who he is and what he's like. David saw how God saw him. David saw and discovered that God... David saw and discovered as the band can get up, that'd be so good. Or actually one... some uh, Yeah, Demetrius went up and down. Um, someone to play something. Someone... Rock, paper, scissors between you two. Oh, just get up together. That's powerful. Oh, that's powerful. That's just really good right there. Um. David saw and discovered that God saw him rightly. It's one thing to see God rightly, it's a whole other deal to see how he sees you. This is the this is the challenge. Is we've got a whole bunch of truth, a whole bunch of promises from God's perspective, He sees you rightly, according to the cross. He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as redeemed. He sees you as favoured. He sees you as anointed. He sees you as holy. He sees you as blameless. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as justified. And, and we can keep going for another hour. That's how He sees you. let's stand to our feet and 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 just keep that gaze on him in the context of where you're at we're seeing him and seeing yourself we might go five late so if um if the kids are going to burst in if someone can be a gatekeeper thanks jesus thanks jesus Yeah, God sees you rightly. He sees you correctly. And when He sees you, He doesn't just see Jesus, He sees you. (laughs) Often we just say, oh yeah, He sees Jesus. And we're just like the worm behind Jesus. No, no, no. You've become the righteousness of God for those that have said yes and received Jesus. You've been given the right to be called a child of God. You have become the righteousness of Christ. He sees you. He sees us rightly. He sees us correctly. John 8, whatever mode you need to be in to encounter Him, do that. But John 8 is the... Story of the woman that was thrown at his feet naked after being caught in the act of adultery. The religious leaders knew the law back to front and they quoted the law to Jesus who was stirring the pot and breaking the mould of what the kingdom would look like. And they said, you know that according to the law of Moses, if this is going down, she needs to be stoned. But here's the problem. Jesus saw her rightly. Jesus saw her correctly. And they didn't. They saw the sin and the act, and the disobedience. And Jesus saw the lady. He fashioned and formed her, knew all the gifts, knew all the pain, knew all the reasons why she did what she did and was doing what she was doing. And it's the same with us. He sees you correctly, and He sees you rightly and we go outside of that and often we've never encountered it so we make choices to try and help the pain because we're not quite sure how he sees us and we might be able to quote it but it's a whole other thing to take the time to experience him seeing you rightly. Taking the time to read the scriptures which are truth and life and spirit and allowing those scriptures to lead us into an encounter with the one who wrote those truths and promises and scriptures. So he took his time in that moment and he knelt down and he, 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 he rode in the dirt and he stood up and he said, anyone that is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And the Bible says that one by one they left. And he said, where are your accusers? Who's condemning you? And he goes, they've all gone. His powerful statement, he says, and neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. So Jesus, thanks for your presence. Thanks for grace. There's people in here that are questioning the way that, have questioned the way that God sees them. He sees you rightly. Regardless of what you've thought or done or said, over a consistent period of time, He still is for you and with you and loves you and has made provisions and ways for you to know Him and to see Him. And it's not just to end there, but it's so that you can be fully known by Him and for you to experience Him seeing you rightly. Yeah. So God, thanks for freedom. Yeah, thanks for the, the freedom that comes when we experience and encounter the way that you see me. And I declare that again for all of us. There's another, another level and layer to seeing God, which is seeing the way that He sees us. Yeah, in Jesus' name.